Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Tonight, we welcome back our friend and reigning subterfuge champion, Kotaku's Heather Alexandra. I, I do one thing correct, and it becomes the thing I'm known for. Well, it's also the triumph of yours that I most envy. Every, oh, yeah. I, cannot, I cannot stop thinking about it. It's, it's like I feel like Salieri, as I said. Yeah. Oh, it is miraculous. She just played, she played one game. One game. And straight to the promised land. I was very lucky. Uh, we also welcome back Austin Peak Anime Walker. That's me. Uh, I played one game of Subterfuge also, had a bit of a breakdown, and left Academia. Okay. <laughs> well, that's... Wow. That's You can read about it on paste.com. Oh. Uh, it's, you know, that's where you can find my sub, my review of Subterfuge and also formalism in video games. Subterfuge, a game we play for content. <laughs> Man, there's two things that, like, I could never recommend someone in good conscience, and that would be graduate school and subterfuge. Like, my answer <laughs> to both of those is, like, there are some rewards. You really must ask yourself if it is worth it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of things that are definitely worth it, European War 2 in Sega's Valkyria Chronicles 4. Uh, so we talked about Valkyria Chronicles before on this show. We've talked about Valkyria Chronicles 1. And then I think the official position of Three Moves Ahead has largely been that there are no other Valkyria Chronicles games. Um, we're kind of, like, I'm kind of in it for the anime tactics, uh, th- you know, 3D tactics game and anything that doesn't closely hew to that model. I just use non-canon, uh, which I'm not sure that has, that is well serving me, but it's, it's the hill I'm going to die on. Uh, well, Valkyria Revolution, which came out like last year, was not in the same canonical timeline. So I think you're totally right. Fantastic. Uh, so it's been, it's been a minute since we've had a Valkyria Chronicles game like this. Uh, Austin, why don't you take us through a little bit Valkyria Chronicles 4 and the ways it, for those people who don't know Valkyria Chronicles, what yep. is it? And then what's it doing differently than Valkyria Chronicles 1? Sure. So, uh, the Valkyria Chronicles games are sort of third person tactics games. You, you start with a kind of a top down view of a map. Um, I guess I should actually zoom in a little bit or zoom out a little bit further. They are a uh, a series of tactics games in which you go from level to level with uh, kind of preset maps and uh, tactical challenges in which you are playing a sort of stand-in for the Allied forces in a fictional anime version of World War II. Um, you do tend to be playing young adults or teens. I think this just hues a little closer to young adults in this in this entry, unlike two. Uh, Valkyria Chronicles 2, which is only on the PSP, uh, in which you literally just played high schoolers. Um, And the missions are played out such that you have a number of action points to use in any given turn. Um, You get more action points by bringing in certain characters to battle, and then you spend those action points to take direct control of one of your units. You move the unit around, you go into an aiming mode, and almost like a third-person shooter, you line up shots and you take them. Um, there are no percentages on screen. Uh, instead, you you know how many shots need to connect to get a kill, but there's no like this is an eighty percent uh, chance to shot to to hit. You just have the size of the reticle to to kind of uh, eyeball whether or not your your most of your shots are going to hit and 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 you know whether or not they'll they'll do the job. 
Um, there are a number of classes in the game. There's a, a, a scout class, which is kind of an all-arounder that can move really far and shoot was kind of the, the anime equivalent of a Garand. Uh, there is a shock trooper who has like a Thompson-style uh, submachine gun who can not run as far, but can do a lot of damage once they get in close and they can take a little more damage. There are lancers, which are uh, anti, uh, anti-armor units, kind of with these giant joust lance looking bazookas. Um, there are engineers who repair your armor of which you get a, a number of pieces in this game uh, pretty quickly compared to previous games in the, in, in the series. Um, there is your tank, your, you your main tank, which is in this game called the Hoffen named after the hometown of your, of your kind of lead, uh, you know, quadruple of characters quad what's the word i'm looking for quattro of characters quartet Quartet. thank you thank you it's late listen it's late and i'm only drinking a little bit of my milk so you're getting (laughs) sleepy austin Uh, (laughs) uh, 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 you get some extra you get some additional armor units in kind of an apc and a light tank as the game continues and then the new uh snipers obviously also uh, and the new unit is the grenadier which is kind of a, a mobile mortar unit that can move around and set up shots and do indirect fire um, the missions are, are again, kind of pre-designed. This isn't an XCOM-style thing where random maps are being pulled from a, from a pile or a kind of proc-gen-style game where there are tactical maps being put together as you go into them. Instead, you're, you're just straight up going through a storyline uh, that in between each mission, you're getting a, a huge uh, a run of an anime storyline uh, by which I mean a very specific type of anime. Um, I guess maybe I don't mean that. It's a little bit of everything. There's a little like a, a kind of everyday comedy style anime. There's a lot of kind of shoujo, um, you know, action boys anime. There's a lot of there's a little romance in there. There's a little bit of everything. Like, it definitely pulls from a large from a large uh, collection of anime tropes. Um, and uh, you kind of you go from mission to mission and and uh, upgrade your troops and figure out what weapons you want to bring in uh, and make the numbers go up as you level up um that's the very very high level thing this specific game really briefly sees you in a kind of last ditch attempt to win the war by punching into the heart of the weird amalgam eastern european uh, uh empire which is which is a mix of kind of nazi germany and uh, uh soviet russia um that is kind of a weird blend of, of aesthetics and uh geography that that doesn't always hold together well but for the most part comes across all right um and along the way things go bad you know you have your your great early victories that lead to eventually your group being trapped behind enemy lines with the snow coming down in the middle of uh in the middle of winter and and that turns out to be not so good for you it's Operation Barbarossa. If yes. uh, if every now and then your buddy did some wacky like grab ass stuff, and, <laughs> yeah, specifically oh, no. that. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. get to that. Okay, no, okay. I know we'll talk to Raz. we'll talk about Raz eventually. But, <laughs> we know, sure but it's, will. It's definitely a str- it's just to kind of add off of what Austin's talking about a bit compared to I think the way that some people envision the series um, as kind of light and strange and mixing all these different aesthetics and feels. I think this game out of any in the series is the one that tries to tamper down and, and, and kind of be a little bit more like, no, this is a war story um, as opposed to especially like something like Valkyria Chronicles 2 or something. It's here's a campaign. This campaign goes bad and like you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, it's um, I have some mixed feel. I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. Uh, I think you have to be all in 
on the sort of anime story it's telling is the thing. Like for some reason, even more so than Valkyria one, for some reason, like Valkyria one, I think there was a new and novel factor with that game where I just never, I'd literally never seen anything like it. Uh, this is now the second time I've seen something like this. And it also feels just a little more narratively dense. That could be my imagination, but like the amount of time between missions where you're hanging out with your crew and, uh, having these little visual novel style cutscenes playing out, uh, those all seem to be a little bit longer. There's a lot of relationships that sort of advance and develop between every single mission. And if you're primarily you, if you're primarily into tactics games for the tactics, you're probably not playing Valkyria to be quite honest. Uh, <laughs> but I found myself I, I found this story a little more engaging for me than the than the first one which is odd because i really i really did find the first game charming but for some reason it turns out if you give me that trope of like mismatched platoon journeying across a war zone uh turns out i'm there for that every single time like just (laughs) just give me those stock characters navigating the combat zone making hard choices learning things about each other and themselves and I'm 100% in on that, it turns out. You know, I think part of that is that Valkyria Chronicles 1 had a number of characters who were there primarily for, for world-building exposition. Um, you, you kind of had a lot of blank slates uh, with the lead. Not that, not that I think Claude is a particularly great lead character in this one, but <laughs> Welkin was especially kind of a blank slate. He was just like a guy in a tank who liked biology a lot. Um, Alicia liked <laughs> bread until you also found out that she was tied to a weird ancient race of 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 superpower people like there there's weird racial stuff happening here their 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 analogy for uh for the racial politics of world war ii falls apart in a number of very strange places um but you know you had the big tough guy in valkyria one and you had like the mean girl and that was kind of all that the the character development could be because most of the story was setting up who the major players were and how the technologies worked whereas in valkyria chronicles 4 it assumes you know what a valkyria is by now it it assumes you understand what the you know ragnite energy is and so you don't just have a character whose whole job is explaining what that is instead you have like you said still stock characters but you know drawn from a from a from a deeper pool um you also have this new type of thing you know you asked earlier what was new in the game one of the new things is the side stories that can pop up for the combinations of characters um the the first game valkyria chronicles one had side stories that were tied to this newspaper that you got and that was cool and there was some fun stuff in there and there were some like favorite characters that got some time in the spotlight but nothing, I think, compared to the amount of, of characterization that shows up here inside of these unlockable side missions um, that you get by playing the characters who like each other near each other, which is a whole other aspect of this game that we didn't get to that I think is key to why people like it. Um, your troops have names and identities, and again, not proc gen, not like uh, a XCOM or something, um, but on top of having classes, they also just straight up have 
what are called potentials and traits. Um, and those are effectively things that give them passive bonuses. Uh, at passive, I don't think there's anything that's like especially, oh, there's a few things that are kind of more active, I guess, um, that, that, that pop up. So for instance, maybe you have someone who uh, really likes nature. They'll have something called like nature lover. And so if you run them through a, a pasture, a green pasture, they might get a, a boost to their damage or to their defense or something. Whereas if you put them on, you know, maybe they also have something that's like hate cities. And so if you put them on, on, uh, a street, uh, an urban environment street, uh, even one that's just a few feet away from some green grass, maybe this passive uh, trait will proc and they'll get a, a, a negative. Um, and on on top of all of those, there are also characters who have bonds with other characters who like other characters. And if you play them together, eventually you unlock a side story for them where you learn a bit more about them. There's some more cutscenes with them. And one of their bad traits gets transferred into a, or transformed into a really good one. Uh, and those moments are super good. Uh, there's a there's an engineer who starts out with a um, with a, a thing called like fix fixation. Is this good? Is the, is this a good story? I Austin? think so. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, it's great. It's I love it. Do you so, not like it? Why do you not yeah, like this? Yeah, what's going on? Rob, tell me why you don't like uh, Allard. Is that his name, Allard? Allard yeah, Allard or Allard. Allard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Allard is an engineer, and in yeah. so many words, he wants to bang a tank. Like He loves he tanks. Listen, he might not... really enjoys them. A lot. A lot, to the point it weirds other characters out. I took so many screenshots during that, uh, not loyalty mission, but, you know, the, the side story about him. That's basically what they are, though. They are basically loyalty yeah, missions. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a bit like what if a Persona dungeon uh, was. Again, a war zone, yeah. uh, which is basically also the plot <laughs> of Platoon. But um, with Alard, like, one of your other characters, your tank driver, Miles, just at a certain point early in that cutscene, just turns to him and is like, Alard... Why are you like this? And another character specifically tells him to stop rubbing up against other people's tanks. Uh, so yeah, uh, this is this is the kind of material work we're working with. Yeah, but Austin, you, totally. but you liked this beat, and uh, did you like the mission? I think the. Uh, I don't remember the mission. It's been like three weeks since I played yeah. that specific mission, but I played a bunch of those. Some of them are definitely better than others. I've definitely had ones where it's like the um, the characters I'm stuck with aren't necessarily, they have really bad traits or the map design is just kind of, there was one with a group of, I, this is the sort of stuff you're working with, right? So like there was one in which you have your like team goth uh who is uh just constantly terrorizing the rest of her squad along with a god who's is it is it is it the goth and the yeah. writer who's the, who's the novelist and then the third guy the, the novelist right and the third guy is just like a farm boy you know the boy next door right um who's just like completely or no he's not the boy he's next door he's like the dad is he the gambler Wait, the one i had the one I had is Jester. So no, Jester is the one with. Hmm, is Jester? Did they try to sell his organs? Yes. 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 Okay. So that's not that. the one I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of a different. Who's the? No, is that the that's like has the nurse. Like a, a, a big old like long blade of grass, like a, like a hayseed. He keeps. Okay, that is him. But yeah. his trait okay. is a gambler. And they're like, you need to, you need to be better about your money. He's like, yeah, I sure do. And they're like, we know how to fix <laughs> your financial problems. He's like, sure, what? Sell your organs. Sell your organs. Why not? What's wrong with that? 
Um, there's, I'm actually thinking of a different character. There's someone who's basically just like the boy next door. He's a dad. He is happy about his family. And he has like a different goth lady with him who's like a witch oh it's the it's the one who thinks she curses everybody and then it's it's odin it's odin it's the guy who's basically from our tactical tuesday streams uh someone who thinks that he is like uh a, 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 he's basically larping non-stop have you not gotten to odin yet his name he's his real name is like jeremy or something he's like everyone calls me jeremy but my real name is odin uh, it's extremely good. So, but that's the sort of tropey bullshit that you're working with here. Uh, and the thing that feels good is taking a bad trait like fix fixation that says once you repair a tank with this engineer, they lose all of their action points, and instead turning it into the joy of tanks, which I think means that when you repair a tank, you get to go again. It doesn't, it doesn't take an action point at all. And that feels great because it makes me better at war i mean some of that like some of it is just solid characterization stuff going mm -hmm. on too though because for as much as it's easy to talk about the really broad stuff that occurs too some of these side stories end up being things like hey we're gonna take viola and a bunch of people who can't get yeah. their shit together and we're gonna make them get their shit together and she's gonna go from having authority issues to like something that actually boosts her skills when she's with other people in a team or you have a character so another character is she might be my favorite character because i think i see a lot of myself in her her name is uh her name is nicolette she's a mm. she's a very cheerful scout but one of the things about nicolette that's very odd in terms of her negative potentials is that she's incredibly religious to the point of being blindly faithful so yeah. that under certain circumstances her her not her accuracy or actually her defense her dodging will go down because she's basically kind of running through the battlefield going like god will protect me i'll be fine <laughs> but if you take the time to do her side story which is her sort of bonding it's her rosetta and i think godwin godwin and, yeah who is like a who, who is has like a lot of baggage a lot of baggage is a grave robber is like robbing the battlefield of stuff which right. is great um, and and you should know. I we should note Rosetta is also a. Uh, as my reading of it is a, is a trans character, right? right? Never, is, never is at least gender nonconforming, at least never explicitly sort of stated. I don't think it ever really needs to be. I know some yeah. people kind of wish that it was. I don't know, but you have these this kind of really distinct pair of this very religious character, uh, Godwin, who's actually he's a darkson, which is basically the anime in universe version of how they sort of handle things like Romani. And then you have um, this sort of connection between them. And so you see Nicolette's sort of blind faithfulness thing turn into something called saintly smile, which is something like <laughs> it's it's like a more applied, um, more service focused way of of applying her positive cheer to boost other characters morale and, thing, right. and things like that and i think one of the things that i really love about this game if i can just gush for yeah. one second longer Please. is to say that i really i really really appreciate so much how much this game first off just cares about its characters in general and then also uses that care to inform the way that they behave on the battlefield the way that it fixes into the systems the way that you can actually have stories that occur that also then affect the way that they behave on the battlefield beyond just like hey they got an hp boost or whatever but something that feels in line with their character that feels like they've learned a lesson and now they have access to something 
that they maybe had within them the whole time, but the whole didn't time, know how to yeah. do it. Right? Yeah, right. It's right, their potential. Right, right. They've actually realized their potential. And I love it. It's um like I don't know, I like this game a lot, and I think that's just just the way that they handle potentials, particularly in this version, is phenomenal. It feels like it does work a little bit better, perhaps because of the side story issue, because they always had these implied relationships in Valkyria Chronicles 1, but it was hard to track. It didn't feel particularly... It didn't make an impression on me that like these characters had an affinity right. to bond. Like Occasionally, I just have a lineup out there, and I get a notification that, like, oh, because these two characters like each other, uh, you know, accuracy bonus for this round. Cool, fine, but, like, again, I, I don't even remember these characters' names half the time, whatever. Uh, but because of these side missions, that stuff does start to register, and it seems like those affinities, when they proc, it's a little bit more meaningful. And mm -hmm. uh, so you end up, or at least I did, definitely keeping in mind that there's certain, like, team friendships that I could deploy, right? You know, like, I would be thinking about, like, okay, which which circle of buddies do I want yep. to send on this mission? Because if I send, you know, if I send this Lancer out, who's going to combo onto that Lancer? Uh, and that's kind of how I'd be thinking about, like, playing out these, playing out these roster assignments. It's also the thing that you get when, as a one, I'm 100% with you. I definitely send people out in teams based on their, their potential friendships. But I also would smile from ear to ear when someone new joined the platoon who added a like a friendship link with somebody else who previously had none there's definitely a moment when you get a bunch of new recruits and you're like oh yes finally this person who no one liked finally has someone to like connect with in this group um and being able to like field them that way just ends up feeling a little bit more meaningful uh, than it did in past Valkyria games. And in general, this is the sort of thing that separates this franchise, I think, from other tactics franchises, even ones that I that I like quite a bit. I really love XCOM. I really wish that I didn't have to do the that I wasn't doing the narrative work of filling in the gaps for why these people are friends. You know, I think well, we, we've been doing this War of the Chosen stream now for eight, ten months yeah. now, Rob, um, and we've told a, a pretty fun story about our own characters. Um, but I would love more games that did what this did and come in ready to tell some of those stories themselves. It, it just feels like it fits. It fits really well in the sense that it, act, it doesn't feel like a, a sort of extra layer on top of the action that just kind of maybe mm. colors it and gives it character it's something that's actually choosing you know or, or making me choose how i'm going to behave on the battlefield in some real ways so like raz is always kind of going to be one of my go-to shock troopers but i can't feed him forward because he has right. mad he has mad dog and right. if he's running far forward first off don't do that in general in this in this game unless you have a ton of <laughs> unless you have a ton of scouts but yeah. also like if i feed raz forward the way that maybe it would make sense for him to do he's actually going to get his ass kicked despite the fact that he's still a shock trooper he's going to get that negative potential and get bogged down so it actually starts shifting how i think about how i'm really going to use each and every character and that's really really cool 
Whereas, like, another character might have a potential that says that they do better a lone wolf. They do better when they're alone. Right. And so despite being part of the same class, despite being at the same level, because you level up classes and not individual characters here, they play differently. And you take you, – you will sometimes say, like, oh, wow, this is a mission where I really just need to send one scout ahead. Who is my best scout to be alone? Um, one other small thing I really like that's new here is at a certain point in the story, you're able to designate characters as commander units. Oh, yes. Um, and certain – it's yeah, so good. it's so good because then you take someone like Rosetta, who is one of my favorite characters in the game, and you say like, you know what, you're gonna be one of my command, you're gonna be one of my CEOs, and you're gonna just be in every mission, which means that you get an extra action point for anybody who's a who's a CEO who you bring in, which are like the main main characters plus whoever you designate. Um, you get an extra action point per turn. They're kind of like, it's like they get a free move. They kind of provide a free movement action for you, if that makes sense. Uh, and being able to, to like call out your your best earners is really good in that way. Like, damn, I feel good. And they say something good. They say like, you know, I'm honored for this opportunity, Commander, or something like that. When, when you assign it, it feels extremely good. And again, that's the sort of game it is. If you don't smile when you think about that sort of interaction, then Valkyria Chronicles 4 is probably not for you, um, it, which is not a diss on you or on the game it just it really wants to reward you with that sort of the warmth of seeing your characters like achieve their greatness their internal greatness and be rewarded for it and also it's a story about like starving behind enemy lines <laughs> you know <laughs> and that yeah. is maybe some of the weirdness uh, i will say also for promoting uh commander units one thing i appreciate about it, appreciate about it as well i can't talk today i'm so tired i've been doing so much work over the i weekend. feel you yeah um is that it also gives you the like the ability to team up kind of almost mm. it feels like fire emblem ask so that you can actually have pairs that matter so hey i can assign a sniper to a scout and yes. suddenly i can have that scout do the movement and get that sniper exactly where i need to go because snipers have a very limited amount of sort of action points and therefore movement potential in this game and if you're careful about where you know who you're promoting and yeah you're gonna promote the people you like but also you can find ways to make pretty interesting class combinations that take advantage of this to actually yeah. get characters into positions that otherwise, you know, normally the sort of confines and sort of action pool that their class offered wouldn't allow them. You can have Lancers go all over the place, That's which is, is fantastic. That's a huge thing. Yes. Well, to, to the point that you're making too is like, so the, the commanding officers, besides giving the free action point, also can kind of rally troops to them. They can pick up to two people and say, hey, you two come with me. And yeah, so like, when let's you, go exactly, and in fact, sometimes they go like "let's go," and then the anime people go like "got it, commander" or whatever anime people say, and then they follow <laughs> you. And so yeah, that that is such a cool moment. I have so many moments where I've used a scout to sneak a sniper further than their their natural movement could go, or a lancer, like you said, behind enemy lines to line up the shot on the tank's weak point and get the kill so that my main force can advance. And it always feels good. That is a um. It's so cool. It makes me feel like Spears and Band of Brothers when he takes that assault in, uh, in, in, yeah. in, in, yeah. in that, in that <laughs> assault on Foy. Um, and also it really plays into something like, to a degree, the Valkyria Chronicles, the earlier Valkyria Chronicles game, because there's only been two, uh, have, have, like that one was very much about movement and order of operations, but this one really plays up the how aggressively can you keep your forward momentum going? And that new like squad orders ability, that commander ability to be able to grab other team members, warp them across the 
across the map and then have them take their full move from this new location uh yeah really i think amplifies what is already one of the game's primary focuses which is being able to rapidly transit these tactical spaces and sort of flip the board uh, as it were, like, yeah. to, like turn it right. on its side because there's a lot of missions and the game teaches you this early where you can you can do everything pretty by the numbers methodically. You can just have a tank go trade blows out there. You've got an engineer. Uh, you, you might be able to stay ahead of repairs unless you get really overmatched, but you can do it by the numbers and like go really methodically, but clearly what the game wants you to do for a lot of reasons, uh, but primarily encouraging you to do it via the grade you get at the end of a mission to let you know how you performed <laughs> yes. uh, and to taunt you uh, with, with the gap yep. between your performance and the theoretical <laughs> ideal. Uh, what the game is teaching you is you really do want to be fast and aggressive here. And you don't need to necessarily clear the map. You just need to wipe out the enemy's bases and capture them all. So what's the best way to go about doing that? And I think one of the, you know, so one of the tools it gives you are these are these commander orders. But I think one of the other, like, the nasty little trick it plays is that a lot okay. of missions start out by, like, hey, you can deploy up to 10 soldiers. But you've only got, like, 11 orders. Like, to st- like you know, best case scenario, you've got, like, 11 orders you can issue. And those 10 soldiers are going to eat through that pretty quickly. It's hard to get a lot done if you're giving orders to every single soldier. And one of the things like that I was slow to realize is that a lot of times the opening like allotment it gives you is kind of like a bait and switch. Like what actually the game would really love for you to do, what, what worked brilliantly for me is send in a light squad, go capture a forward base and deploy my reinforcements up to my cap from that forward position. Right. So scouts are huge in this series. They always have been. You either you either kind of are into it or <laughs> not. I would, So when I reviewed this game for Kotaku, I had so many people who were like, hey, does it still like rank rank you the way it does? And are you just going to scout rush a lot? And while I don't think that you need to focus as much on your rank, even though it does give you extra experience points to spend the higher rank that you get. I think in general, the game does value mobility more than it will ever value stillness. Whereas other, you know, tactics games, um, like either just because of the nature of the setting they're in. So like Battletech or whatever, or, or, or other, or other games will kind of, they'll allow you this leniency in as long as you get everything perfect, right? Take as long as you need, wait as long as you need until you get everything perfect. And there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of value and a lot of enjoyment there, but I think sort of befitting the more colorful anime event of the game itself, you have a system that actually incentivizes you to be really bold and kind of maybe not think as, uh, realistically uh with your tactics but but to sort of build towards these larger um really heroic moments in a way that sort of falls in line with the type of war story that the game wants to tell it's it's really interesting 
Totally. I think it's the thing that I love about the thing, the, 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 what you just made me realize is you look at something like Battletech and Rob and your review of Battletech this year, one of the things that you called out was that that's a story that is, or that's a game that wants you to think very economically about war. War has costs. And when two people fight, one of them dies and one of them is hurt. There are not clean victories in Battletech. Uh, even if it's even if it's a win for you, it probably cost you some money or it cost you some opportunity or it hurt a pilot for some amount of time. And it, it has this very dirty, grounded feeling for combat, despite the fact that you're in 50-foot-tall walking tanks. This feels like the most kind of childish, and I mean that in a fun way, sort of, vision of war in which the the big tactical gamble pays off um the the wait a second what if we i know what we can do we can that sort of thinking plays out on the stage and and actually happens organically in your own thinking you look at the map you go all right there's too many tanks on the main line and they have bunkers up on the hills and uh, this is just i'm just gonna have to settle to get a fucking c on this one and then you go wait a second Wait, wait, wait a second. What if I... All right, Kai and Raz, Raz you go up this, this little side camp and then cut around and then, yeah, we'll drop in reinforcements here and then and like, and then you get the, the play, right? You find your... You, you get... Uh, I've said this a lot lately when I'm watching other chess videos and there's this line in the, in the, 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 the chess video uh, <coughs> series that I've been watching where the, the narrator says like, and then the player got this idea and this is a game of getting those ideas and putting them in action and being rewarded for them basically every time because the maps have been built for you to find what the idea is that cracks the map and sometimes that means rushing the forward base sometimes that means you know deploying actually def like rushing and then deploying defensively so that an oncoming uh, uh, line of troops just gets gunned down by your reaction fire sometimes that means smartly using your tank to provide cover for your grenadier who can then completely you know destroy the the, the enemy forces with artillery fire but each one of these maps ends up feeling like you could name it the way you name a friends episode right where it's like oh you know the the one where we use our grenadier to completely decimate the enemy's uh, reinforcements as they come into into play or whatever like that's how each of them feels or like an episode of legend of galactic heroes or uh gundam with ms team or any of these anime that i love that are about some great tactician or or soldier cracking the code and figuring out how to get behind enemy lines and, and find the, the secret weakness. Um, and any game that makes me feel like that is, I, I'm happy with it, even though I also have a predisposition for games like Into the Breach and Battletech and Frozen Synapse 2, all great tactics games that came out this year that make me instead think about the costs and the, the unpredictability of, of combat. Which isn't to say, I think, that the game does not find ways to kind of stymie those instincts that you eventually build yeah uh in, in the sense that valkyria chronicles have this wonderful tendency uh i i say uh both <laughs> with with a great deal of affection and a great deal of annoyance to toss some of the most bizarre sometimes unfair twists at you <laughs> in ways that you could never predict and yet later on when you replay the level you're like oh yeah if i just go to the left i'm fine but sometimes they'll be like hey 
you're in the Arctic, you're in this tundra, yeah. there, yep. there, are, there are tanks that you have to fight. Press forward, take care of this dude who's been dogging your unit, it is time to face this guy. And you're like, great, let's fucking go. And then they're <laughs> like, oh, by the way, actually, we're going to call in a Valkyria, she's uh-huh. going to be up there, and she's just going to start blasting the terrain with basically anime magical energy. Literally that, can, that. literally that anime de- magic. And yeah. it can destroy, like, any troops that you have fed forward, either because that's your instinct that you've built up, or because you feel like this is the climactic moment. I have that guy on the edge. All of a sudden, they are in these extremely disadvantageous positions where, you know, if you don't get them out in one or two turns, they're not only going to get knocked down, but you're not going to be able to reach them. And you're actually going to use Lunit. Uh, mm-hmm. You're going to lose units uh-huh. is the phrase i'm trying to say use lunid um, it does sound like something in a jrpg about about <laughs> yeah, world like, war ii the, whole, the lunid weapon but it's like <laughs> but 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 there's this definite so so valkyria chronicles definitely has this tendency to be like oh you got this you think you got this oh by the way like this thing that you've never heard of before we're deploying it now and yeah. you either adjust or you don't that said, I will make one note to say that my favorite mission of the game is one of the slowest and the clunkiest. It's actually the big tank battle when you're doing like right before the end of Operation Northern Cross. The Battle of Sigfall? It's so good. It's, I'm watching it literally right now. I pulled it up because is I wanted to talk phase about it. One, phase um, two? Because it turns, the game turns, the game phase turns into a, yeah. like a tank management game it's for, unbelievable. for the span of 40 minutes. It's, it's like, amazing. It's like freaking What did you say, Rob? Is how that entire thing feels. But come on. Yeah. <laughs> yes no it's it's amazing because every mission up until then and many that follow are these kind of much more directed things or maybe there's like four paths but there's four paths and then you get to this mission and it's just open warfare it's just a huge battlefield with like the carcasses of already destroyed tanks uh and lots of armored positions and and reinforced positions with with uh uh, kind of um uh, gun batteries set up uh and uh, they also do this great effect in this mission where there is just gunfire firing everywhere constantly as a ba- almost like the way rain would would apply in a video game traditionally it's just like oh it's raining so there's a layer of rain on my screen they do that but with bullets and it produces this very it actually for some reason reminds me almost more of looking at like a manga page than an actual right. anime where it's just and there it's more- yeah, washed go ahead. out too. Yes, it's yes. like more washed out. So like this game has a great use of color. I like the visual mm. aesthetic of this game a, a lot. Um eventually you get all the snow stuff and that changes the feel of it. Totally. For a while you're going through a lot of these idyllic villages which are like fields of flat like the very first mission <laughs> in this game is like they're like oh no the flowers we're going to trample the flowers. And then you hit this thing and it is madness. It is dark and just gritty and oil and I, I love it it's so good it's it's one of my favorite missions it's my one of my favorite things in games this year was this I specific loved, mission. um yeah there's so many things too like little shout out like it's weird the ways this the ways this game is directly inspired by world war ii like this is also the battle where you hit tanks that your side's tanks can't really damage from the front and God. so it's basically like yeah yep. that's like when yes. the soviets roll out the kv line of tanks on the germans and it's like well mm. we can't actually do anything about this now what uh and so like one of the things you have to do in that mission is you have to figure out how to get anti-tank units or your own tanks through that entire like mire like which is already like got all these choke points because of these already destroyed tanks parked out there on the battlefield you got to navigate around that to start getting rear shots on the enemy because that's the only thing that's going to work uh the other thing i really enjoyed there is 
that is the mission that teaches you like oh no you're going to have to use this armored personnel carrier like welcome to valkyria chronicles right. 4 yes you're mechanized infantry now and you need to figure out how to yeah. use these combined arms tactics to use the apc to pick exactly what you will need delivered on the other side of the battlefield through that like maelstrom of gunfire have those guys pop out <laughs> do the job and then probably like find cover asap yeah i got a d on that mission and i've never felt prouder of a grade like i got through that thing kicking and screaming i almost lost people for real because you can fire emblem style actually lose characters in this game um i always just reload because i'm <laughs> fake uh but <laughs> but you can lose characters uh, if they get knocked down and you don't send another unit to go rescue them uh, ahead of time or like a, kind of call in a medic for them and i was very close a number of times to losing key characters um and there's a like a, you know um uh, heather mentioned another mission later that, that kind of takes place in the middle of, of a giant tundra uh that has a very similar feel um and i love it when i hit those missions in these games because it they feel like tests right they feel like gates to some degree and and anytime a game like this can turn on its side like that is is one in which i feel rewarded for having been paying attention to the mechanics so one of the things uh that i always complain about on this show and i think i've bullied a lot of the regular pan panelists into sharing this view uh <laughs> is that like puzzle tactics games can feel a little flat the idea that like the panzer general games for instance right uh, for instance mm -hmm. great games but also it's a little bit frustrating when you realize that oh the trick here to getting like the flawless victory is to memorize the location of everything on this map yeah. and then just sort of going through your dance steps uh until until you win and that stuff usually bothers me um and there's a line between like a good naughty tactical problem versus a really rote puzzle. And I'm never sure where that is, but with Valkyria Chronicles four, I feel like it stays on the right side of that line. These are puzzles, mm -hmm. puzzles with multiple solutions. And I kind of remain engaged by them. Like Valkyria Chronicles has generally been a game of like positive frustration and lots of rewarding Eureka moments that still on most missions, I haven't actually found the ideal solution, right? Like, I just had my little insights that allowed me to get, like, right. the B grade mm -hmm. on that mission. And I'm like, that was a, co that was a cool little thing I did there. Somewhere, but, there's something I haven't even thought of that will get me the uh, A tier. <laughs> right. I, so, I think some of the thing that makes this work is... Uh, oh, when I was talking about this game for Kotaku.com, a website about video games, oh. I said that it is some of the best tactics that I've ever played. And I also gave Sega Atlas permission to say that. Hey, Ooh, good for them. Wow. Um, because <laughs> I think I think the fact that you actually have to control your characters makes like a huge difference, right? So there is a puzzle to solve, but you can still fuck up that execution like all the time, right? Like there are plenty of times when you're going to be playing these games where you just like stumble like a clumsy Literally. Idiot. Yeah. You like, just, fuck, like, why did I go down go, this path? Uh -huh. Yeah, you go down the wrong path you hit you hit a, a sandbag wrong or geometry or yep. right, exactly some of it's a little bit of, of bull crap but i think even if like hey sometimes there's something a little dull about well once i've solved the puzzle of you know you know how am i going to best the siegveld line or whatever like sure there's an ideal way to do it but even if you knew that ideal way, like you can mess up on those executions because it's not just 
hey, I have a grid, I'm going to send this person to this grid thing. It's like, I'm going to navigate to that point and maybe like, oh, I accidentally used up some of my action points doing a serpentine movement that wasted right. my AP. Oh, I, I guess I've learned not to do that. Like there's small touches that keep it a little bit more active and a little bit more um, focused in ways that I appreciate. This is uh, the most fun I've had kind of doing moments, moment tactical stuff in a game for a long time. I think it also sidesteps the problem a little bit because you don't only care about the puzzle. Like Panzer General, mm-hmm. like you need that that puzzle needs to be good on its own. That needs mm-hmm. to be the draw. Here, part of the draw is that you charge Claude behind enemy lines and Iron Will procs, and it means that he takes he and the the, the main tank you have take half half damage from uh, from like Overwatch fire basically, um, and you manage to punch through the enemy line and, and get a, a shot on the the kind of critical rear weaker rear armor of the tank and get the kill you need. And that moment might not be that clever of a, of a puzzle solution, but you got to see your boy Claude be awesome. You know, mm-hmm. um, you don't necessarily need uh, the, you know, maybe the solution is, is rote because it is just Raz is really good at, uh, at doing enemy or taking down enemies from uh, who are charging at him. Cause he has this great, uh, you know, submachine gun. But when it's Raz and he pumps his fist, you go like, yeah, hell yeah, Raz, high five. I wish you weren't like such a sexist, but like high five you anyway. Uh, <laughs> and and th- having that extra bit of character and especially with the potentials and traits that we talked about means that those moments have another, uh, kind of another leg to stand on besides just being puzzles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, A mission that really stood out for me like working on that level again had some tricky puzzle aspects to it it's a mission it's not even a combat mission really uh it's a scrimmage between you and god. the rival squad yes uh so that like your character <laughs> my god there's so many good beats around this character like again everything we're saying is going to be tropey as hell there's something to be said for carrying off a trope with some flair Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a character that at one point, I swear to God, starts winding up for the, uh, you know, we may die tomorrow, so tonight let's... And it ends with her being like, I just need you to know, I've always hated you. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. So later, uh, she further exercises uh, that uh, by basically challenging your squad to a team death match in this occupied town is that good form probably not no it's a little it's, awkward <laughs> but it's cool as hell uh it's, you, and, you're having a mock battle in an occupied town so you can take the food from well you're not taking the yeah, food you bought it squ- but squad f took that bacon you need, need that, that bacon. bacon back motherfucker god it's yeah, unbelievable you're just leveling their market square but the other thing is this is the first map I don't think I've ever seen a map like this in Valkyria Chronicles where it's like, oh, there's like five and six story buildings. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so like the the moment I realized that uh, I could run Raz and the badass sniper Kai and uh, Raz's little buddy Zyga. God, uh, I forgot about this- Zyga. <laughs> <laughs> hey Raz, check this out. You know, it's like, uh, it, it works out for him mostly. Mostly. But ran up this alley and like cleared out basically like an entire flank of the map in one turn, which is really cool. But once Kai got on that roof, mm-hmm. yeah. she just went to work. And it was the, like, on the one hand, to a degree, it was just, okay, a sniper unit made it to this elevated position, had line of sight, and just started like picking uh, other soldiers off right and left. To a degree, that's what happened. 
But this game sells you on the idea of like that just wasn't any sniper. That was Kai. God damn like, it. Yeah. Yeah, this just unstoppable <laughs> badass who just goes up there and again movie sniper just like start calmly just starts setting up shot after <laughs> shot like you can see all the way across the map and you are just headshotting fools right and left and it is immensely satisfying still not sure that was the best place for her i think there might might have been more optimal moves but damn if it wasn't like really rewarding to have like my mvp on every mission get into that position where she could just go to work and it, it's it's interesting because in that mission in particular, too, like that's a case where they make a pretty big show of the enemy team using some very particular tactics that are yeah. similar to that towards yeah. you, too. Yeah. Like they are, for all of the weirdness of having this mock battle to have this occupied <laughs> villages like bacon <laughs> and bread, they're like, hey, we have a plan because we're going to keep our gosh darn bacon and bread. And so later on, you have a moment where clearly one person on their squad you're like where are they and they pop up behind you at their own elevated position and if you're not careful about how you react to that sort of thing kind of in that way that valkyria chronicles likes to throw some strange curveballs at you every now and then like they can do some really big damage so you either you need to learn how to adjust to that to get your characters to their optimal positions and then also i think this is the first time too i had encountered so the commander in this particular case, like the more you get to special enemies in this game too, they seem to have a pretty naturally amazing ability to dodge incoming fire. Um, sometimes. Yeah. So like, well, so you figure out a nervous thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, but it was for a minute, it was like so strange yeah. to figure out how to get to kind of solve all of that and put it together. But it, it provided this nice little, um, kind of experience uh, of trying to crack, like why, why is this not working and how can I make it work? And wait, so wait, did you, did y'all beat Minerva, like the character in that mission? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Really? See, I beat that mission and got an A without killing her. Man. And that, and that's why you're EIC, baby. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just, I tricked. I, so I set up a, uh, so she charges for that base. And the thing is, if you set up a shock trooper there, he can do enough damage. The one I put there did enough damage to like push her away. Yeah, she won't. He won't get the kill, but she won't charge him, and she gets kind of caught in this mm-hmm. loop. Especially if you've also taken out the sniper that she set up behind enemy lines, right. which I found like by mistake. I like just I put Kai up in that high position and happened to spot that backup sniper, and so I never beat Minerva the character in that mission. So I don't even know what you're talking. This, to, to your point before, Rob, this might be a, a puzzle mission that has a, a prime solution, but I didn't find it. I just had her off kilter and rushed people around the right side so that I could take her bases and win that way because that's the win condition. So with that mission, and this is the cool thing. This is a really extensive map. A lot of these, a lot of these maps have multiple little pathways through. Yeah, and you, like what you'll find on those pathways is kind of anybody's guess. Like you'll have to try it different ways to see what's going on. Uh, but with that mission in particular, so I did the right flank rush, which is yeah. pretty easy and obvious. But then where I sort of fell short is you have the option of staying on this map, hugging these flank alleys along the right side or turning back from there and exerting pressure from the right side into the central town square you're fighting over. Mm -hmm. That's what I opted to do. So I basically had everyone wheel and storm the town square. Interesting. At which point, because Minerva was rolling up my line, 
Right. And she had just overpowered, like, and it wasn't just Minerva. It was that she sent a tank over that entire, like, I had a pretty heavy-duty crew holding down that left flank. Uh, Minerva plus tank literally just, like, rolled over it. Um, I think I had two shock troopers go down or one yeah, shock trooper. Yeah, it seems likely. A, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was bad. Uh, so I'm kind of amazed that that worked out for you because for me, that entire flank just completely collapsed uh, in the space of like a turn, uh, which was kind of awesome. But because, because it was kind of this glimpse of like, oh, that's kind of how you can use an army like mine. Yeah. Because the, so, the Empire is not going to do that. No. Totally not. Well, the other thing that happens there and that th does start to happen as you start going up against real commanders is they start doing the thing you do, which is use the like CO ability that you have. You have you can use these orders that these special orders, which can give you extra damage or, you know, let you take reduced damage or uh, even call in artillery shots from off from off map, basically, uh, eventually in a really cool uh, kind of naval collaboration way. Um, and the first time you have one of those used against you, you realize you're up against a different type of enemy, and that feels really cool. Again, it 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 pulls so much from the the kind of history and conventions of anime of feeling like you know you're going up against your rival. Um, and and if that again, if that stuff doesn't work for you, the game probably won't. Because but if it does, it especially will. Sometimes it's harsh. There's, I think it's, I think it's Klaus has an ability that's literally, hey, I'm gonna basically negate your entire last turn, which is wild. Oh like my he god! Has, he has one that is like, it basically is giving a second wind to any unit of his that oh, you right. defeated. Yeah, he's just like they're bad. Wild. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it, but in that case, it's like okay. I've learned with this, if I'm going up against this particular commander, like I just need to rush and do certain different things. So that that's kind of fun to yeah. have that aspect to it too. With but him, also it's like the first couple times a, it happened. Uh, yeah, you produce a window basically for him, right? It's like I, I'm not gonna make I'm not gonna make uh, permanent wins against him because he's gonna resurrect people basically. Right. But if I can make a window to the next base or to the next objective, then I can use this moment to rush people through. But I shouldn't be just trying to have the long drag out fight with him. Which again, yeah. you start to feel like, oh, I know these different commanders. I fought them a number of times. I know what's up their sleeves. I know what their tricks are. And that's, a, again, a kind of a cool thing. You mentioned how, like, this sort of anime has to work for you, and you have to, you just have to be on board with this kind of thing. Let's talk about Raz a little bit. Yeah. Uh, because. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Heather, Heather, you want to just jump in? Well, yeah. I was going to say, like, I don't know, like, Rob, in general, like, you just hate anime and fun, right? Because you don't, you don't like, uh, you don't like Ed on Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, oh my god, you almost made me you almost made me do a spit take with this milk. I swear to god I almost had milk come out my nose, which would have been the funniest thing for this milk bit to to, to wind up with. Thank you, sir. God. No no no, I just I, I was waiting for that one. Oh my god, that was that was very good. And it is true, there's a lot of Ed in Valkyria Chronicles. Uh, Heather, if, we could just we could Raz. just we have we have Rob cornered. He's a captive audience. We could we could finally run him, rake him against the coals for his bad cowboy bebop opinions. It's this you, is, listen, you're, this is you're just wrong. Such a nightmare of worlds colliding. This is like yeah. I have my okay, friends Raz, from Raz. Nerdland over Nerdland into if he was Headland, definitely not Nerdland. 
it's, it's my anime crew <laughs> encountering my three moves ahead uh, crew, and it's just just a nightmare. Uh, if you're, we can talk about Raz. <laughs> He's a piece of shit. <laughs> he is. <sighs> but is there an as and yet? Because for me, there's kind of an and yet. There's. We should. Do you want to talk about the thing that happened, Rob? Uh because it's, it's probably worth. It's probably worth. I'm going to say it's worth talking about as long... I think it's worth talking about. Yes. Because I think we're aligned on this. Okay, so... I think there's a major problem with the Raz character, which is that one of the earliest things that happens with this character, one of the earliest like establishing moments for this character and the way he relates to other characters, like from the beginning, yep. he's kind of portrayed as a buffoonish douchebag who... Uh, is incredibly sexist and objectifying toward women. Uh, it's so over the top as to be like just breathtakingly tacky to the point where I found some of it funny. Uh, his grotesque, like he sees a uh, naval liaison officer and is just like, I'd love to swab her deck. And it was so terrible that I just couldn't help but laugh. But then later, uh, during... God, this so this is probably the low, one of the low ebbs of Valkyria Chronicles. There is a sexual harassment, potentially sexual assault scene that is also combined with an accidental upskirt uh, yep. scene, all in one like just one scene, <sighs> just one disastrous, uh, you know, hairball of gender of anime gender politics uh, happening all at once. And that's a disservice to anime. Anime also gave us Revolutionary Girl Utena. It did. Uh, so shouldn't shouldn't uh you know dis dis all anime. But Raz is kidding around with uh like he's he makes a really tart observation about your main character. Uh he's looking at your main character, Claude, flirting with uh sort of his romantic match, and just sort of says, Do you really think these guys are that complex? Um and it's a good line. And then he proceeds to just really aggressively, um, like, grope Kai, your sniper. And it's like, it's a close-up shot of her butt and him just, like, grab and hold. And then she, you know, spins around on him, lays him out, and he does the whole, like, hey, what's that about? It was just a friendly butt pat between dudes. And then your character stops working on his tank and rolls out from under it and accidentally sees up uh, your mortar captain's skirt and a good and everyone there's a, there's a stomping and it's supposed to be funny but like that's how that whole scene go, goes and all that's like not great and pretty dumb the rest stuff I think is qualitatively different and it's a like this is who Raz is in that moment. But then it, the thing that throws me is that that moment vanishes. Like it's like a rock dropped into a pond. It has no ripples across any relationships whatsoever to the point where like, from the point of view of the game's perspective, it's like this never happened. Other things are carried forward. Other like relationship beats like matter in this game. This one is such, it is such a weird fucking thing. Um, and so I'm torn between Raz remains a character that is so over the top and says some of the most like outrageous things in this game that is like entertaining to me, 
But then he's also a character that like had this beat. And I'm not sure what to do with that. So I don't I don't know if there's a great answer to that. I do I just sounded really serious. Um, <laughs> Bring it in. Uh um I think I think the more that you sort of have access to uh, games along sort of the the, the spectrum of things that uh, Eastern game developers can offer. So I think of things like Persona um, in particular, right? Uh, again, which kind of has that Atlas kind of Sega Atlas connection mm. where like there's some amazingly good things that happen in Persona games to certain characters. Mm -hmm. Like there's a reason why, you know, and I don't speak too much personally towards my own sort of like transgender experience or anything like that too often. But I mean, I understand why people can identify so strongly with like Naoto Shiragane of Persona 4, because even though a lot of what's going on there with that character is talking about very specific occupational gender dynamics, there's an aspect there that dares to kind of step forward and talk about things like surgery and sort of what it means to hide who you are. But then that also comes hand in hand with sort of the way that they handle, you know, now I'm doing a persona podcast, <laughs> they handle Kanji and like his shadow and how it's all like, Ooh, super sexual and stuff. Yeah. And I think, I think an unfortunate reality um, which is this isn't to justify or to gloss over the stuff with Raz because it's incredibly egregious and and I think it's worth mentioning. But I also, I also, I guess maybe maybe to an extent I've come to expect it. Mm -hmm. Maybe to to an ex, to an extent I sort of have found ways to balance that out with the good stuff, right? Like we don't, you know, I got mad. Uh, like let's be real for a second here. I guess like I got mad on Twitter the other day, as you do. Oh no. Um, because some people, you know, I put up my, my review again for Valkyria and people were like, why didn't you talk about Rosetta? And I was like, first off, cause like, I don't have to always perform my marginalized status for your benefit constantly. Right. Or else I will be drained and exhausted as an individual, but also because the way that Rosetta is handled in this game, which I do think that she is meant to be a transgender character is that it's not this prime definitive thing about her character. It's just part of who she is. She also used to be involved with the clergy. She used to have a lover who was sort of like a, an activist and things like that. And that aspect of her, her, her transness or, you know, her queerness is just, a very welcome and great bit of color that fleshes out what could have otherwise been just scout number two I send forward in battle, right? And the fact that Valkyria Chronicles can give me that is awesome. So when I think of the stuff with Raz, I also have to counterbalance it, or at least internalize it with the knowledge that in other areas, the game is doing things that surprised me in in ways that mattered uh, a, a lot. Um, uh, I have no ending conclusion or good bow to wrap up onto this other than the fact that I, I think your, your enjoyment of Valkyria Chronicles is going to be uh, directly proportional towards your ability um, to not excuse but to have prepared yourself for some of the more problematic sort of things that's endemic to um, 
anime tropes and then also just just eastern game design in general sometimes I, I, that doesn't make it easy it doesn't make it right it doesn't make it clean it just makes it what it is right um because because you know when i think about this game i don't think you know i don't th i think about raz but i also think about like a ton more stuff mm -hmm. um which which isn't again to diminish raz because like f fuck him but also I, like I don't know. I don't I don't have a good explanation for this or a good answer for this. It's it's especially difficult with Raz, I think for some reasons which are that I mean, so as Rob said, like that scene is never referenced again or thus far I haven't finished the game. I'm 20 20 missions in, 24 right, missions like, something like that. I'm I'm A smarter game would make uh, that affect his potential and his relationship with Kai, but it doesn't. Like Kai is just an object in that scene and because it never ripples out, yes. that's the that is one of the biggest problems because otherwise Kai is this character with a ton of agency. She's super she's a key 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 character. Like she's 100%. There are twists later in the game. There are there there are major major plot points that are about Kai and her loyalties and who she's, you know, who she's there for and all that stuff like and she is she's an agent in all of that stuff um and this is like the tricky thing because on one hand it's as if it didn't happen right it's as if four hours later you just see a cutscene with kai and you, you see a flashback with kai and another character or not kai sorry with uh, raz and another character back during basic training and removed from the context of that earlier really bad transgression it's easy to be like, oh yeah, Raz, that was, he was real funny in this scene. But you can't do that because of that previous scene. But also, because the previous scene is never referred to again, it's easy at 2 a.m. when you're doing another mission and you rescue Raz from danger and he says something kind of funny to just be like, hi, oh, yeah, cool, Raz, high five. And it's that it's, there's a weird double bind there. Because on one hand, because they've left it behind, you allow yourself to leave it behind and let Raz live on the screen as who he is in every other scene and kind of disregard that sequence. But on the other hand, that sequence sort of haunts him. And and I think in general, there are a number of things in the game that, that uh, or a couple of times in the game, where something like that happens um, that makes it kind of... It, it disrupts the the sort of um, not the excuses you're giving it, but the mode of attention you're giving it. If that no, makes sense, Valkyria's always had this tension to it, which you either sort of like in, like you integrate or, or or you can't, right? Which is which right. is the 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 problem that it's had since the first you know game, which is like, hey, we're gonna do a beach episode and <laughs> we're gonna objectify these characters, and then also later on yeah. in the story, we're gonna be like, here are literal death camps. Right. The moment after you do the fight over bread and bacon is when the snow falls and you realize that you're going to be stuck behind enemy lines and that, you know, your troops are going to start to starve to death. Um, there's a moment in which a character, and I think it might be Raz, is like upset that Riley, your team's grenadier, broke up a fight by using ch a chili pepper grenade she made. And Raz or somebody else says, it was a war crime that she did that. And like, dog, this is a game about that, that includes the... There are actual war crimes. There's actually genocide. Like, like ethnic cleansing is happening in the background of this game. Maybe it isn't a war crime <laughs> that she used chili pepper to get the, the naval officers and the army officers to stop fighting. Um, and you just, there is, you will not, 
I don't, the thing is like saying like you won't enjoy it if blah, 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 is that it feels like a command I'm giving or it feels like me saying like you just have to be an irony bro and right. get through it. And that's not what no. I'm trying to say. I think that everyone is within their rights to back away from a work like this and say like, you know what? I think that's a step too far. Or you know what? I think that the, the way this was handled means that in general, I won't find enjoyment or enrichment here. I think that is well within everyone's right to do it. And I don't even, and I don't even mean that in a, in a sort of dismissive way where I'm like, you guys don't have fun. I'm going to be over here with Raz hanging out and launching mortars um but but i and i and i wish i lived in the world in which instead of this what had happened was the localization team had 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 the ability or the power or, or the good i don't know the good sense i don't know what the collection of of things is that prevented this from happening um probably the 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 uh the power probably the the authority um to say like you know what this sequence doesn't add anything to this game we're pulling it um, or, or to at least consider that. Like, I, maybe they did, and they decided, you know what, we'd rather have the whole complete experience. This is who Raz is. They're going to have to take it or leave it with him. Um, but I, I, I do think that there is that things like this, as games like this continue to get localized, will continue to be a thing that studios think about. Um, and, I, and I think it's tough, because I think there's, there's a version of this conversation that Rob and I wanted to have on a podcast on Waypoint weeks ago, and it's like, well, I'm not going to be the dude on the podcast who is like, despite the sexual assault he commits, Raz is a cool character. Like, not in 2018, and hopefully not ever. Um, and that is... It's tough because you want to struggle with those with those contradictions as a critic. You want to say, fuck, like, why is it that I like this guy and also there is the sequence that I fucking despise? How do I make those two things, like, interlink and talk to each other? How do I confront the fact that I think that this sequence was funny? Even, not, not that sequence, a different sequence was funny, despite this current sequence or this previous sequence being fucking right. terrible. Um <laughs> And it's tough. And I know we're doing it now on this podcast, so it's not like I've avoided the topic entirely, no, but, but here we are. Because, I mean, there are, like, these are the, these games, in a lot of ways, I admire how often Valkyria Chronicles as a series has had a willingness to take things um, a step forward in being pretty earnest about, even within the confines of its sort of anime setting, of, like, how fucking shitty just, like, people be when war is a thing of like of like you know i've i've had a lot of people um readers or whoever else tell me be like i haven't had a game that's really grappled with or at least for, at least at the time you know topics of like okay like we're gonna not only are we gonna have like romani stand-ins like we're actually gonna follow through with like the logical you know pathway of that labor camps right. and ethnic or, cleansing and everything or like yeah. you know so this game too so we were talking about it a bit beforehand too and i guess we can kind of open up about it a tad in the sense that because that this is this is a world war ii allegory mixed in with world war one and a couple of other other things right you get to the question of the, of the atomic bomb right which is a question yeah. of course like how can you not it's it's war media it's japanese war media like that that is that is something that is deeply entrenched with it within that. which is an angle we haven't right. mentioned right which is, these are japanese developers talking about a, Euro a european war in which japan i don't think is ever mentioned and america is mentioned i think in this game more than any other but is still peripheral to the most part as an on the ground right. and force. so then when you get to the aspect of what actually you know constitutes a, a nuke in this game it ends up being the valkyrias at least to a certain extent right it ends up being silvaria um and you that sort of analogy starts to fall apart in like really weird and uncomfortable ways in the sense that like 
like i don't know what it says to be like hey like our overwhelming weapon of mass destruction is basically going to be like this slighted magical woman but also but also i I think some of what they're trying to do there is to be like here's what happens when you know somebody is you know in that very anime way of just sort of devoted towards war and devalued and dehumanized right because i think the story is aware of the dehumanization of this character and turning them into literally a magical weapon that can blow up freaking cities and stuff but it's 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 such an imperfect and 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 gross thing because even if the game is aware of that sort of stripping of personhood and stripping of of identity and everything like that the game still does it like they still do it so i don't know i this this has always been a a series that's had um like it's always been hard to approach i love these games um in in terms of what they can offer me for tactics i admire very often how how frank they can be in in depicting certain things but also uh, i mean when they stumble they don't just like kind of trip and then and get back up like they fall flat on their face you know it's weird to me like valkyria for because the standing because of some other stuff got me really thinking about all the other media like it happens a lot in anime but like just a lot of series the various games of double think you start doing with characters because mm-hmm. there was a misstep with it with a character or like did that really happen because if it seems like it like if like for like i'll give you an example it's like from popular tv it's like a this is a dumb this is a i feel very silly for using this example but it's a very good one Gossip Girl. Ed from Cowboy yeah. Bebop. No, no, okay. Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl. Sure. Uh, sure. In the first episode, one character, like, attempts to sexually assault, like, does sexually assault another character. It's an attempted rape, and that's the pilot episode. And I think this happens twice, actually, in the pilot episode, both around the same character. Uh, so, judging by that pilot episode, that guy belongs in jail. Like, Literally, like, that's it, right? Like, we're we're done here. Like, that character is done. Go go to jail. That is a major character on the rest of that series. And for the rest rest of that series, it's kind of this uh, question of, like, even among the fandom, there's this question of, like, did that really happen? Or do you, like, a pilot episode mulligan, right? And the question being, Mm. like, characters are changeable things. Like, uh, especially in, like, collaborative media. Like, you know, showrunners change, writers change. What do you do with something that like happens? It's ugly, it's terrible. But then there's this entire other body of work that never seems to refer to or acknowledge that part of the text. What are you supposed to do with that? The other example I was thinking of a little bit is the opening episode of The Shield, which plants its flag very aggressively and it uses that against you. The opening episode of The Shield also has a character commit something, do something completely unforgivable at the end of that first episode. And on some level, that, that show anticipates that because of the nature of stories and protagonists and who we interpret, who we sympathize with, who we like, who we interpret as the good guy, the bad, The Shield knows that probably even before that first season is out, you will have somehow forgiven the main character for murdering a fellow officer in like cold blood. Like it is, and and for no right. good reason, by the way. It's to he is about to get found out as a corrupt cop. He shoots his friend who's investigating him. That's what happens in the first episode of the Shield. 
Who, I mean, who among us hasn't <laughs> but, done that I, thing? But I, it's, it's interesting because that series spends the rest of its arc basically waiting for it to, for waiting for its moment to drop that other show, right? Like, no, this is who this character's always been. You've been kidding yourself. Right. Like, right. this thing happened. You all saw it and you pretended it didn't. And now here we are in like season five or six. This is who this character has always been. And you let yourself enjoy this character, but like they never fundamentally changed or reckoned with that. So here you go. Have your denouement. Like this is where this goes. And those are two different approaches, but that's something that comes with like a considered work, right? Like there's a third, there's a third approach too. That's worth thinking about, which is the, so you, you've listed now the gossip girl approach, which is pretend it never happened. Right. Uh, pretend it which was a pilot. You're still figuring out these characters. Analogs, by which, the way. Like even as I say it, like right, huh, totally. it's never referred to again, never spoken of again. But right, yeah. What's happening in the world today, huh? Uh, the the shield version of it, where it's used, it's dropped, but it's lingering, ready to be brought back and re- ready to make the the viewer seem foolish, right? And, you know, that's the version of this where in the last mission you learn that Raz has actually always been a shithead, right? Um, so there's a version that the game has, which is it happens and then it never it's never referred to again. That's the Gossip Girl version. There's the version of it that is the shield version, which is like, don't forget, at the very end you learn Raz, or you know, at the very end, but somewhere in the third act, it's like, oh no, Raz, shit, fuck, we should, I should have paid more close attention. There's also the Riverdale version of this, right? Which is, and we're finally <laughs> going to talk about Riverdale. Here now. we go. Um, Chuck yeah. Clayton. Chuck Clayton in the second episode of Riverdale uh, is is the second episode, and a lot of the first season includes a lot of sexual harassment from Chuck Clayton and slut shaming. Uh, he's a character who uh, posts on social media Im- like doctored images of of women from the high school from Riverdale High, or whatever the name of that high school is, I forget. Um, in in compromised positions and often faked positions as a way to shame them, um, and that first that. First time that he shows up, he is absolutely a villain. He is played as a villain. There is no redeeming quality of him. He is also the only black man in this show. <laughs> um, there are like a handful of other black characters who are performers, uh, which also has some baggage there. Uh, and you know, there are there's one other major woman of color in in Veronica who is also tied up with some crime. Riverdale is a show that does not necessarily line up its people of color into into great positions. I mean, everybody is compromised in Riverdale, but often, especially, it's, it's characters of color. In season two, maybe even by the end of season one of Riverdale, it feels like the writers have learned that they fucked up um, and have decided to try to rehabilitate the image of, of Chuck. Um, and it falls really flat. Because of how broadly they 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 um, they drew him as a villain in, in, in to begin with, it's like I don't know that I can believe this guy can ever change. He was so mustache stroking villainous when he first arrived. How am I supposed to buy this 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 change? That I as a viewer as a black man was like fuck yeah, like please put a black character a black a black man here who isn't shown as a as a, a preyer on young white girls, right? Like that is a deeply ch- racially charged at the very least likely racist uh, uh uh i mean historically absolutely racist caricature of what black men are uh and so to to see them try to contend with it and work through it is a third way to to deal with it and that's the world in which kai doesn't just slap him in that scene and it fades to black it's the one in which by the end of this game raz is like 
has had conversations with people, has directly, this specific event has been addressed. I mean, it, it recalls, again, the conversation that, um, Rob, you were part of with people at Waypoint that I was not part of, in which Natalie drew the great distinction between rehabilitation and redemption. I don't need the Raz redemption arc. Um, in fact, we don't get that here because Raz is never put in the, into a position where he needs to be redeemed. I feel like Riverdale wants to redeem Chuck Clayton, but it doesn't necessarily want to rehabilitate him. It doesn't necessarily want, want to show him doing the work of changing, or maybe it sort of does, but it kind of half-acidly does. I could imagine a version of this game that does do the Raz rehabilitation arc, but it isn't this one. Um, you know, I think he learns lessons in this game about trust and friendship, but not about personal boundaries or about misogyny. Um, and maybe that version of the game is heavy handed and bad. Uh, who knows? But like, I think I'd prefer it to the one that ignores that this happened to begin with or, or wants me to just go along with the ride. I think the thing is just that the way that the game is already structured in terms of hey, you have a couple missions, and then in between these missions, we have so many vignettes. <laughs> that the, that the, that the, like, the possibility is there, right? Because yes. the framing device of this entire thing is like, hey, you're looking through Claude's journal uh, uh, from the war, and you're basically getting snapshots of each moment kind of bit by bit. And there's no reason why we can't omit one or two moments here to actually just have a moment where Kai's like talking to Raz and been like, yo, you don't ever... Right. You just don't ever. Because I think the idea, like the broad idea, of course, is just like, oh, he got smacked. Therefore, ha, done. Great. He learned. But he doesn't learn anything. Right. Right. Um, and for a game that I think so often very much cares about its characters um, in some very powerful ways, uh, it has this format. It has this setup to maybe to have done something and it didn't. And it's it's just really disappointing. Um, yeah. I've and this is the conversation you have when, instead of just being a game about tactical puzzles, it's also a game about characters, and it's also a JRPG, and it's also made by Sega, and all of these things come There's together. There's a lot you know? uh, in, in this game. Um, and I think it's a... That's the most egregious example. I, I think there's a lot of places in the story where I just wish character development were a little more earned. I think it's a problem that dogs this game, which is that they want a lot of these stories to hit their various beats. Um, but they don't necessarily want to build to them too effectively. Like, for instance, uh, your main character has, there's a shameful and old wound between him and his old childhood friend, Riley, who's your mortar officer. That is resolved in, like, the blink of an eye. Basically, like, literally, it's basically like, wow, I guess I never really thought about the fact that you didn't want to let my family burn to death in a war crime. And that's basically it. Like, that's all it took. <laughs> Uh, and that's, that's kind of how this game rolls. Um, but on the other hand, I, I do love little details like Claude, like your main character, Claude, uh, who in a lot of other respects is basically just a faux hawk in a tanker's outfit. Uh, and that's, I Claude. like Claude. <laughs> I want, I'm putting, I'm putting myself on the record here. I like him. I even think he's kind of a cute little fella. <laughs> he's Good adorable. For you, he's cute. He has a look. He's he has a look. Um, he, I like him when he's in his snow clothes quite a bit. There he pulls is. off that big that big huge but coat. I mm. like that in the wake of some bad like this assault on their village uh, that happened when when they were all kids. I do like that. There's this beat, and they don't delve too much into it. But like he was just in like a post traumatic haze for like years that nobody like that nobody talked him out of. Nobody nobody knew it was happening. Yeah. Uh, until basically he got in a brawl with Raz and like exercised his trauma in just a just a Hulk out. 
uh, as a kid, but I liked this detail of like, why does why is Claude so attuned to wind patterns? Right, it's because he describes it like for literal years he just stared at the sky whenever he could. That's just what like I kind of <laughs> like that little detail. It's a, it's a it's a small little note about Claude, but like it tells me so much about their childhood back in like uh, Hoffen, uh, way more so than the actual most of the exposition moments. Um, but but I do yeah. really enjoy that. I it so a thing I believe about anime is okay. It sounds like a thesis. <laughs> what, what we talk about when we talk about anime by Austin Walker. Wow. Um, anime as defined in anime is a land of contrasts. Um, <laughs> it's expressionistic. Um, it is, you know, one of the things that that you learn in in uh, your your entry level English class, maybe, uh, or or maybe a, a, some sort of critical theory or or comparative literature course, is that one of the things that theater does uh, and that fiction does generally is it allows characters to provide access to emotional states of mind with a clarity that real people, when they have those emotional states, cannot possibly bring to bear in language. To be as angry and revenge-driven as, as characters in fiction sometimes are would be to never, ever speak a word, let alone deliver a, a moving soliloquy on the nature of vengeance or your desire for familial equality or something, right? Um, but the characters of Shakespeare can do that adequately. Anime starts there, and then it says, how do we, and, and I think things influenced and things in the style of anime, anime how do we not only narratively and, and with our dialogue provide a, the sort of access to emotional states in a, with a clarity that those in those emotional states cannot in real life provide, but how do we bring the truth of, uh, the subjective truth of that emotional state to bear with style that illustrates the the depth of what that experience is like. Um, and so that is red, red spiky hair for the character who's really brash. Um, that is speed lines when someone is running down the street or running at their foe. That is, you know, the, the, uh, the, high point of the anime ballad hitting when two childhood rivals finally square off to fight over the love of their lives. Those moments are are about producing the effect of the weight of this moment that is small, but making it feel as large and and aggressive or or expansive as it feels to a person in that moment. And that's even true for a game like Valkyria Chronicles in its design. You don't wars aren't fought but fought by by two or three tanks against four or five tanks. They're, they're fought between two or three hundred tanks by four or five hundred tanks. But when you are at the, the Battle of Siegfall, and your three tanks are being pinned down by the enemy anti-armor, and then you sneak one lancer behind enemy lines and deliver that one-in-a-million shot that takes out the, the anti-armor cannon, and you can then charge with your main tank and get behind the enemies and blow them up. That's an abstraction, but emotionally, it's, it's deadfully truthful. It's exactly what that, that experience is, is supposed to feel like. Um, and I think that that gets it into trouble very often because it's painting in the broadest possible brushes and there is no feeling of restraint. There is no desire to be quiet. There is only the loudest possible uh, uh, expression of who these characters are. And because of that, people make bad 
bad missteps. And I'm not, I don't want any of this to read like excuse for characters like Raz. I think that those are the moments when to be artful in your, in your craft is to recognize that in this moment, restraint is not only required, or not only uh, better, it's actually required to deliver on what you want to deliver, which is Raz as an outsized personality, as a brash young man, as someone who is deeply, you know, uh, 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 concerned with his presentation of masculinity, and to do that without uh, alienating the the people in your audience for whom the fear of sexual harassment and assault is extremely real, um, and that is what it takes to do this the right way. And I, but I think that that is how it uh, how you arrive at that to begin with. You go, what, what's the biggest, loudest version of this thing that we can do? Because that is what the genre, the and I, the medium of 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 anime. Or I guess I'd say the the genre of anime storytelling is. This is what we talk about yeah. when we talk about anime. <laughs> Um, speaking of delivering things, there's one last question I had for y'all, and this is basically me, just uh, my own curiosity and trying to get pro tips. The mortar, it's the new unit. It's uh-huh. very cool. It has huge range, indirect fire, uh, hits enemies on the move, but doesn't really. Tends to it, shoot behind it, them a lot. Yeah, it does. Yeah. My question. Which is cool, what? which is cool, by the way, because then you're, you're running and the mortar fire is blowing up behind you and you're charging the enemy lines. Again, it's expressionistic. It's pretty great. I tend to load, like, yes, and I love that stuff, and that's why I tend to load the boat on mortars. Like, okay. how, many, <laughs> how many mortars can we get on this squad? So, what defines loading the boat? <laughs> how many mortar soldiers do you get in this entire campaign? I'm keeping them all on my reserve so that I can deploy them in a moment's notice. Uh, have i had three mortar troopers on one mission before absolutely did it seem to work it felt really good i'm not (laughs) sure it was good play so my suggestion is to have two to have one that you have kitted out explicitly for anti-personnel and to have another that you have kitted out explicitly for anti-armor so in this case, that meant that Riley was my anti-personnel grenadier, and I had another character called Aoife, who is pretty darn cool, and I ended up equipping her for things that would help her do tank busting. Once you get past that, I think it gets a little too complicated. Those are slots that you could be using for snipers to get people across the battlefield. I still, once again, will stress, you should be loading up on scouts. Like, 100%. You do, you do not need that many mortars. What you do need are scouts that can rush bases. Um, but if you if you split the difference, right, because I think one thing that maybe this game doesn't do as well, even though I think it does the tactics incredibly well, is maybe the management stuff as much, right? The, the, the management stuff is kind of light um, in a way that I tend to appreciate because, and I think this was on our last episode that I was on for the show, Rob, when I said that my preferred balance between tactics and management tends to be like 70% tactics, like 30% management. I think this strikes it fairly well, but I also think that you're not really given many chances to really incentivize your weapon loadouts and ways that are meaningful in Valkyria Chronicles. Grenadiers are one of those edge cases where it's actually true. Totally, 100%. Where you actually want to have people, right? Especially Especially once you get further in the campaign and you really start running into people who specialize in tank platoons and things like that, you know, enemies who are going to be those sort of problematic encounters that you need to have responses for to have one character that's good at busting armor and then have another that can take care of maybe 
blowing down all those jerks behind sandbags like yep. i think that's probably your best bet that is exactly the advice that is it 100 i i subscribe to the heather alexander school of tactical combat Thanks. please send me all those mag all the all the magazines with all the tactical tips please you know soldier oh, cool. the soldier of fortune editor-in-chief uh <laughs> heather alexandra please let me know which which guns to buy um I, the only other option the only other place where i will uh, trade out a weapon is I give engineers the rifles that do good damage at close range because they tend to be hidden behind tanks and so their 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 line of sight is tends not for me tends not to be very long but when someone comes around a tank I want that one or two shots they get in to be really powerful so you give them the galleon yeah. car- carbines uh, yeah exactly yeah, yeah totally okay. but other than that like like Heather there isn't that, or, you know, uh, sometimes you just get a gun that's just good but better, or just, like, the same as your regular yeah. gun but better, and I'll put that on my, my you know, my main scout or uh, my Minerva or my, my Raz or whoever it is, given yeah, whatever the gun is. Give Kai all the good shit. Give Kai there's, all the good shit. hundred percent. Like, give Kai all the good shit. Constantly. Honestly, please, yeah. I, you know, I will say this. I will say this about the way, because you can do, like, the real-time sniping and, like, aiming and everything in this game, I appreciate one thing that this game does do is that allow it allows you to and not just in a way that's determined by statistics but in a way that feels vaguely skill related to take the longest of possible long shots and gambles <laughs> and yep. sometimes act, actually execute on them and uh, i guess one way to make that even more viable is to give kai all the good shit i realize now that that is how i got through that marketplace mission I took the longest of long shots with a single lancer across the marketplace at the enemy weak point on the tank and blew it up you in a single kidding. shot. Feels a hundred percent. It feels great. Shout outs to I think it was Jean, uh, who is again like a dope black lady with dreadlocks. Uh, oh, she's my favorite. She's, she's fantastic. She's, she's brave. Her and. Oh, cry for everything. Yeah, Some but she's other... great. And yeah. she just, like, line that shit up, pull the trigger, have this giant, like, uh, spear bazooka shot, slam into the side or the back of this tank and blew it up as it was advancing. It. And it's like, yeah, now I can just totally finish that wheeling over from the right side and go counterclockwise around and clean up that clean up those tanks or that uh, those bases. No big deal. Oh, the, I know the other guy who I like. His name's uh, his name is uh, Laurent. Laurent yeah. McLeod. Yes, I use yes. La- I use uh, Laurent a lot. Good dude. Um, I uh, something else just occurred to me while while you're talking about that. Another thing I love here is that um, because of the 3D movement and because you'd be taking reaction fire from like enemy scouts, and as you get closer to their positions, like if you get in front of a tank's machine gun, you're just dead. Uh, if you get in, if you get too close to a shock trooper, you are dead. Um, but that makes for like some cool situations where you will have run through an area really, really quickly, and you will have had a fleeting glimpse of what was back there. But then your yep. character had to duck into cover, and you complete your move or whatever, and then you're 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 ready to to make your next move, and then you realize. What did I actually see? Yeah. Like I saw all this incoming fire. I know there was a tank back there. Was that a shock trooper behind that sandbag, or was that a, was that a scout? And someone's life depends on the answer to that question. <laughs> but like, this is the one tactics game you'll play where like you'll have seen shit, but you'll have been too panicked to have really like internalized it. Like it's the one area in which oh, it does kind of play like a three D action game. Because you'll have yeah. seen stuff, yeah. but it's not right. like the fog of war lifted and you like marked it and like okay, here's what's back there. It's gone. Yeah, and it really look at the comes question down marks. To, yeah, 
how how much of an impression did did you take of that area before you ducked in the cover or before you got out of range of that mortar? Uh, you think it's really moments, go ahead. I was gonna say those those moments where you're like, okay, I press forward, this is great, and it turns out there's just a shock trooper right around <sighs> the next corner. It's heartbreaking. Um, in a way that feeding forward in I mean, feeding forward in a tactics game always can feel terrible. Yeah. But because I guess partially because you're embodying the character and you have some level of control, you feel that much more responsible for when bad things happen to them. And so just like getting overconfident and being like, yeah, I'm here. I'm past that tank. I'm fine. And to have somebody like ace, run around the corner and just ace you, is, it's It's the worst. Uh, On the other hand, the opposite feels incredible. Yes. When you set up your shock troopers in, you know, in a, in a defendable position and someone just pops their head out and they just get eaten the fuck up is just the best. That's the um, next right, level strat I need to learn. Because I guess so the good. thing that we didn't, the, I guess one of the things we didn't stress in conversation too is like after you place your units, like they'll still take pot shots on anybody who's moving. It's, you're you're basically putting them into Overwatch, and so that when they're you know the enemy's moving in their position, like your your units are still taking shots on them, and in some cases you can just have lines of people coming towards really well defended locations and just having. Having it end terribly, just, terribly. It them. can just be basically a wall of pikes. It's great. Yeah. Um, and I'll say the other one thing that makes it feel like an action game sometimes is the when you're not rushing into a shock trooper or a tank who can just tear you apart. And instead, what you have is a shock trooper that you're playing as and you're running up to a scout to try to take a base. And they have their five or six shots in their, you know, in their magazine and they fire through those. And it's like, boop, 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 boop. And then clink, and now they're going to start reloading, and you're like, all right, go. And you hop over the bag, and you charge at them, and you get just into range as they start to pull their gun back up. And that is when you, you know, you, you, when, you when you go into aiming mode, time freezes. It, it isn't, doesn't make you aim under fire. Maybe you, they get one more little pot shot in as you're bringing your gun up. Um, but that moment of, like, closing the distance, knowing that they could be shooting at you, or sometimes getting shot at from crossfire while you're trying to charge a, a specific position, those moments still feel not like a triple A AAA perfect action game. You know, I'm not saying it's like Gears of War, but but anime. Um, so please, someone mm -hmm. get in touch. Uh, uh, it, it it still feels really dynamic and and really you know exciting. Austin, by the way, we had this conversation. Gears of War, but anime is just Gen Ro, and any Gen right. Ro yes. game is going to get get it wrong. You get like it wrong. They're going, you're right. They're going you're right. to have the wrong right. idea you're about right. what Gen Ro is about. Uh, yeah. Everyone should nah. try to find a copy of Jinro and and watch it. It's this week on really Waypoints. Uh, uh, oh shit! I did just <laughs> buy that on uh, Blu-ray. Um, oh, do you know what's? This is like a complete <laughs> non sequitur. <laughs> I just am so excited about it. I didn't realize that every Batman the animated series was hitting yeah. on yeah. Blu on Blu-ray this month. Are you are you kidding yeah. me? I'm so excited. I was. I had to really talk myself down from buying the collectors, um, like because. It didn't really need it, but I'm I'm very excited because uh, they're also doing two of the movies. So that collection oh. is going to include Mask of the Phantasm. Ooh, uh, yeah. All right, I'm gonna pre-order this. Best Batman movie right. ever made. Anyway, um, <laughs> but God damn it, there was a real relevant point. Oh my I'm god, sorry. I ruined it's it. Fine. I it's ruined fine. It. It's fine. Uh, there was a thing about this game's tactics, which are definitely real. It is a tactics game. Yes. You're just looking for the point, Rob. You're just trying oh. to find the... Oh, God. I'm just trying oh, no. to get the train back on the tracks. There are tanks. The there tanks are the There's Coltrane... Uh, there you go. Trig. Um, 
Oh no, it was about the it was about the shock troopers uh, and and sort of those charge down tactics. I I'm, hate them. I'm a I have I'm ambivalent about this aspect of it. There's a weird timing issue with the way you play this game. Like there are moments where like I'll give you a perfect example. When enemies are like lying in the tall grass, you will not yeah. see them. And then they'll pop out of the grass and take reaction fire on you. But if you are fast, the minute they begin to rise up, you can enter your aiming mode. And I think uh-huh. they'll still get their one shot, but they're not going to get like Otherwise, they'll just keep shooting, right? So, like, that's kind of like when you're staying in movement mode, those reaction yeah. shots just keep coming. But if you time it right, you can basically truncate their attack. They'll only get the one volley. And then you can fling the grenade back at them. And that will flush them. And they're not going to be able to get back into cover. And if you end your turn quickly enough, yet again, there will be no further reaction fire. And I'm torn between like, is this really the nonsense people want to put up with in their tactics games? <laughs> and the undeniable fact that like, that feels so good when you pull it off though, mm-hmm. when like somebody like, like tries to ambush you and you're just like, no, no, no. And you just like flip a grenade in their face and then like end your turn and somebody else runs up and shoots, shoots them in the face. And that's great. Well, well, Rob, what if we included in Valkyria Chronicles 4 a really bad stealth mission where oh you can't get to do God. any of that, and instead you have to just sneak around and never get spotted, and sometimes the AI will still spot you before either of your turns have begun, and you'll have to replay it at least nine times, Miss Heather Alexandra. <laughs> There are moments uh, that mission's bad. That mission's bad. bad. I just wanted to get that off my chest. There's a there's a there's a flashback mission where they are helping Kai pass sniper training and you cannot be spotted at all. And for the amount of times that I do admire the way that this game makes its scenarios very chameleon like and finds ways to sort of stop the tactics that you are used to, for instance, (sighs) Rob pausing time at the uh, at the right moment to take advantage of. You know, maybe somebody spotting you and you getting rid of them anyway. In this case, you can't get spotted at all. And it is it is genuinely the worst thing ever. It is terrible. All right. Well, when when I encounter that mission, I'm definitely just going to look up a walkthrough. That's the Uh, play. Because that does not sound that doesn't sound like my kind of puzzle at all. Uh, Though what is my kind of puzzle is once I saw an enemy soldier like run into the tall grass, but I totally like marked where they were. And I didn't even have like good line of sight on that location, but I just ranged in over the mortar, one of my many okay. mortars. Tell me more about this one. <laughs> and I just What's blew the down? fuck out of them. Like <laughs> they thought they were hidden. They weren't. I knew exactly uh, where they were in that tall grass. Cause I saw the little awesome. I saw the little animation, the little sound effect, like the sha 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 uh thing it, it draws <laughs> the little onomatopoeia. Uh, oh, those are so good in general in this game. Oh, <laughs> As like yeah. the bang, the bang, ratatata. Yeah, oh, it's so good. God, all right, <sighs> that will do it for Valkyria Chronicles Four. Uh, we'll be back next week with more strategy discussion. Uh, you can read Heather's review of Valkyria Chronicles Four over at Kotaku.com, a website about video games. Uh, Heather, <laughs> where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at at transgamerthink. Austin, where can people find your review of Valkyria Chronicles 4? 
Uh, it is uh, <laughs> right right now. It's in Google Drive. You go over to Google Drive. You just type in Valkyria Chronicles Four and scroll down until you see where I stop talking about squad stories, start talking about uh, uh, Frozen Synapse Two, and then underneath that is just my reviews of chess videos on YouTube. All right. Uh, so you'll be able to check that out. Um, maybe end of year. It, it might make a... That's my actual thought, is you'll get to see what I think about this game and all tactics games and failure and some other big ideas for the end of year. Yeah, you got a little taste, you got a little foretaste of, like, Austin Walker's gaming lit review uh, with the what we talk about when we talk about anime. Uh, <laughs> it was good, man. It was good. Uh, just imagine that, but, oh. like, articles uh, at the end of the year. Um, articles whose deadlines are long past and now and now irrelevant. Sometimes you get meetings, you know. Sometimes you get pulled into meetings about so many complete times. bullshit, right? This is <laughs> and then this is my podcast network. I can say whatever I want here. And sometimes you get jury duty. Uh, yeah, which I have tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> Can't wait. Three three moves. <laughs> All cops are bastards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They don't just let you do that to get out of jury duty anymore. No? They don't, no you can't just walk in works. and be like, is somebody frying bacon? Like, you can't just fuck do that. Fuck you, fuck you, no. I'm out. No, they, 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 they are going God. to make you... I'm going to do my civic duty. I, yeah. I believe in jury duty. I think I could contribute well to a, to a, a jury of my peers. Not my peers. To the, <laughs> that's not... I'm not... <laughs> I promise there's no trial. I'm fine. It's okay. Wait, you're saying this fine, upstanding citizen was just sharing bootleg animes with his <laughs> fellows? And that's a crime? <laughs> I think that's civil service. I think that that is what good citizenship should look like. Oh, oh boy. Anyway, that will do it for Austin Peak Anime Walker. Uh, Three Moves Ahead is produced, as always, by Michael Hermes and is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at 3movesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. Finally, 3movesahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. You can learn more at patreon.com slash 3MA. Uh, and you can also keep up with the many podcast offerings of Austin and myself and the rest of the Waypoint crew at waypoint.vice.com. Uh, we've got some, we've been, we've been doing some cool things lately. The Waypoints podcast, I think is one of my favorites, yeah. uh, where we just talk about the, the cool art and books and films that have been, uh, you know, really catching our eye lately. Uh, we had a good show where I talked about, uh, how much I enjoy Italian, uh, fascist futurist propaganda. Uh, in in a weird way. Well, enjoy I, might be a strong enjoy word. Enjoy is a strong word. I, I thought you were gonna say like pizza or something, but I love pizza that, too. Cool too. I thought you can be like, I enjoy Italian pizza and not like f- fascist future propaganda. But okay. <laughs> it's the propaganda. Oh, Lord. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, for Heather, for Austin, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight. <laughs>